the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home on 101.5 Word FM. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, greetings. Good afternoon to you. Kathy's uh, not here for the first hour. She's taking care of some family business. She'll, she'll join me a little later on in the show. Hey, um, who worries about hell the most? It's a question that the uh, researchers at Baylor University have asked. Baylor University might be the first uh, people to do a full investigation into what their research team is calling hell anxiety or the psychological effects of a belief in hell. In retrospect, it's not surprising that belief or lack thereof in the literal eternal damnation would do a number, of course, right? A number on you. But now that there is real science behind just what those fears and the effects are like, the findings of this investigation might be surprising considering stereotypes of what hell is like and and who believes in it and what they believe about who's in hell. Okay, listen to this. Consider the stakes for many believers with the the prospect of an eternity of torture and other forms of suffering. One might say a a crippling form of of, uh, fear of hell would be warranted, right? I mean, there's a, there's a lot of good reasons, many, many excellent reasons to be fearful of hell. And your life lived accordingly with that fear will change you for the better forever. Now, with those questions in mind, a team of researchers from Baylor developed a series of measures on hell anxiety. They tested them in what they say is the first systematic examination. What they found that was the individual belief in hell was not in its in itself connected to any neuroses, and that most people did not display an unhealthy focus on the possibility of eternal damnation. The findings which uh, surprised the research team members included this. The more religious an individual was, the less likely they were to display hell anxiety. Okay, so take that as you may, whatever they mean by the more religious. I mean, if your faith is fully invested in the truth of Jesus Christ, and you have confidence that you are walking along that path, well, then I would say that you would not fear fear hell as much as people who were living a life in full bloom of hedonism, right? That makes sense to me. Here's another finding. Unhealthy fears were not related to dogmatism or religious fundamentalism, and free will or the idea individuals have control over where they will spend their afterlife was a key element in reducing hell anxiety, of course. Now, this does not mean that belief in hell may not have a dark side where other mediators are involved. The study found that those who view God primarily with fear, those who believe that they were likely to go to hell, and those with a sense outside forces could decide their fate were more likely to experience greater hell anxiety 
and death anxiety. Well, then you're not a believer if, if you're thinking that. Overall, the results suggested that belief in hell should not be considered a pathological fear, but is perhaps a rational response to personal theological beliefs, researchers concluded. Yeah, duh, that makes sense. If you're following along, if you are a committed believer, if you are a Bible reader as well, I believe that, right, a good sense of what the Bible says about hell, yeah, then it would make sense that your, your perspective on hell would be tamped down, that fear would be tamped down. Um, here's the deal. Researchers have found that this um, hell anxiety was low across all demographics, which surprises me. Most people don't treat hell as one of their pathological fears, as they would heights or snakes or death. I think a lot of people probably don't even think about hell. Uh, it's surprising, right, when you think that you consider hell and snakes are theoretically several magnitude of threats apart. So, to recap, the more religious someone was, the less likely they were to report anxiety over hell. Now, they're not saying, this is Baylor, so Baylor's not saying a true and solid belief in eternal salvation in Jesus Christ would report that you had less anxiety because you know that Christ was on the throne and your belief and following along with him would rescue you from eternal damnation. Now, surprising to researchers was that there was no link between those who are Bible believers or belief in a more intense hell doctrine and greater hell anxiety. On the other hand, those who did believe that they were going to hell had greater hell anxiety, not surprising, holy heck, as did those who believed outside forces greater than themselves had a role in deciding their fate. Overall, researchers concluded that hell anxiety should not be considered a pathological fear. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot to be said for hell anxiety. That would put you on the straight and narrow. I mean, if you consider what the Bible has to say about hell, there's a reason to be fearful of it. Revelations. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. It's math. It's Revelation 21.8. Have no fear. All right? That's why we are praising Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, because we don't want to be in hell. We want to be with Christ in the light, in eternal salvation for all eternity. Hey, uh, we got a good uh, first hour for you. In just a couple of minutes, uh, Max Lucado's with us. You may know Max Lucado uh, famously as the voice of many wonderful Bible translations. Headed into Pittsburgh, I'm sorry, Max McLean. Sorry, Max, Mc, Max McLean is headed with us into Pittsburgh February 16th. He's next. 101.5 WORD. Where were you 50 years ago this week? Well, if you're John MacArthur, you were about to leave an itinerant preaching ministry to preach your first sermon as a pastor and effectively launch a worldwide Bible teaching ministry that you might have heard of. Grace to you. We celebrate a half century of ministry this week. 
Don't miss a broadcast on Grace to You tomorrow morning at 7 on 101.5 WORD. Employers, are you tired of paying outrageous premiums for health insurance? How about a plan that allows you to go to any hospital in the country? A plan that pays you back every year? This is Kathy Emmons for Marley Financial. Whether you want a top-of-the-line plan or just enough to keep you legal, Marley Financial has a custom-made plan for you. As a business owner, you owe it to yourself to stay ahead of the ever-changing marketplace. Marley's been on the cutting edge of new and improved health plans for both individuals and businesses. And only Marley Financial offers health plans that actually pay you back. Call 724-884-1496 for unbiased, top-notch plans from any carrier in Pennsylvania. Plans that'll save you money and give you an edge over the competition. They even offer custom business solutions to reduce your liability and overhead as you grow. They're truly one of the most innovative agencies in the nation. Call Marley now, 724-884-1496, 724-884-1496, or visit MarleyFG.com. Have you racked up more than $10,000 in credit card debt? Are you barely getting by making minimum payments? You should know. The credit card companies are tricking you into thinking there's no way out. Credit card companies would rather you didn't know that there are ways you can become debt-free and you don't have to pay the entire amount you owe. There are debt relief programs that help people like you escape overwhelming credit card debt. National Debt Relief has helped tens of thousands of people just like you reduce more than $500 million of debt. National Debt Relief has helped so many people, they're A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. You don't have to declare bankruptcy or take out a consolidation loan. You have the right to settle your debt for a mere fraction of what you owe. Reduce a portion of your debt now. Call National Debt Relief at 800-518-4020. 800-518-4020. That's 800-518-4020. I had a great time this morning with my dentist. She just made me feel so comfortable. To patients of Dr. Megan Stock, she's more than a great dentist. She's an answer to prayer. She makes you feel so calm. Didn't make me feel shameful about the condition of my teeth. We just love to talk about the Lord and what's going on in our families. I am confident that when I'm finished that I'm going to have a bright, beautiful smile, which I really wanted to have for a long time. She does fabulous work. Perry Highway in Wexford at StockFamilyDentistry.com. Max McLean is with us. Max is an award-winning actor, founder, artistic director of the New York City-based Fellowship for Performing Arts. Max McLean has adapted the Screwtape Letters, C.S. Lewis on Stage, The Most Reluctant Convert, The Great Divorce, Genesis, and Mark's Gospel. His recent writings and producing credits include Martin Luther on Trial. C.S. Lewis, uh, the uh, show, The Screwtape Letters, is coming to the Byam Theater Saturday, the 16th of February. It is a sold-out production, which I'm happy to say, but also sad to say. But Max McLean joins us today. Max, welcome to the show. Uh, Well, thank you. Um, I do think that there are a few seats available. I know the website has been commenting about it being sold out, but uh, uh, my people would tell me that there's still like 100 seats available. Oh, fantastic. So so, uh, I believe that's correct. Okay, great. So then uh, I'll say it's not a sold-out show, but it's close to being a sold-out show. Yeah. So, uh, Max... I think a lot of people, especially within the Christian bubble, know you, know your work. But would you go back and, and talk about your life? I'm, I'm always curious about 
you know, how a person comes to Christ, especially someone who has found their work and their life's work in the arts. But just go back. We've got some time here, and I'd like you to sort of open up your life for our listeners. Um, well, I, I um, was born in Panama, came to America when I was four. First thing I had to do was master the English language. I've been working on it ever since. Um, Dad was uh, military, so we traveled uh, around the country and the world. I got into theater at the University of Texas at Austin in my junior year to get over a fear of, of uh, uh, sociophobia, the fear of being in front of people. Really? And um, uh, what I did is I went to the weird part of campus to take an oral interpretation <laughs> class, and that's when the the, the bug bit. Yeah. Um, uh, that was, uh, I was 21. When I was 23, I read John's Gospel in one sitting, and I thought Jesus was going to come out of the pages. Wow. So, uh, and that was when my conversion, I'm an adult convert to Christianity. And uh, because I had already started my career path in the theater, so since I wasn't raised in the evangelical church, I uh, I didn't get the memo that Christians weren't supposed to be actors. Now, wait, no, wait, now, so, is, is that true, though? I mean, because I think a lot of people maybe thought that in the past, maybe not so much now. In the 20s. When I was in my 20s, it certainly was. A rare thing for a Christian to be in the arts. Yeah. Well, I was thinking particularly theater, because a lot of Christians are involved in music. Yeah. And and uh, But not that many are involved in theater. Uh, and, and so, uh, but anyway, what I wanted to do was find a way to integrate my work with my faith. And that's how, uh, that's how my career has kind of developed in doing that. Nice. So talk about that moment. I mean, I think for anybody who is in the performing arts, and, and you, you made an allusion to it, the bug bit. What's, mm-hmm. the, what's that like whenever the bug bit? I mean, because you went from someone who's trying to work on a, you know, a, maybe a, a problem's shyness or, you know, uh, working around something, you know, a phobia in your life, to mm-hmm. enveloping something that essentially changed your life and a lot of people's lives for the better forever. Well, in, in my case... It was a, a kind of unlocking uh, of, you know, there was a, a personality that wanted to communicate, wanted to articulate, yeah. and, uh, and it didn't have confidence that it could. And so uh, what the theater did is it unlocked that confidence, and, uh, and once it was unlocked, I wanted more. Yeah. So then... Later on, a couple of years later, you become a convert to Christianity. And talk about that, okay, because this is interesting. Um, a lot of people maybe back in the 70s or 80s would go, yeah, I, I want to be involved in the arts, but uh, I believe it's an evil thing. Um, how did you justify those two things working in your life? Well, I was already in the theater, so becoming a Christian was you know, getting over my guilt and and uh, wanting to make more of my life than where it was going, uh, and recognizing that Jesus is the Son of God. So uh, that's where all those pieces kind of came together. And then at what point, as an actor, did you feel confident, right? There's a, a level of learning and working on the craft, and then that's coalescing with your faith. There's a confidence level of both those things. 
did they coalesce where you thought, I'm good enough that I can go out and produce a work that gives glory to God and not have to apologize for it? Well, that's a that's a very <clears throat> excuse me that's a very interesting question because uh, um, when I first started doing uh, work that was specifically Christian, it was mostly uh, using the skills and techniques I developed in the theater and applying it to the Bible. So I was telling the Bible story orally, and uh, and and the places that were asking me to do that were local churches, and they were very very supportive. So. Uh, so the the growth was um, uh, the growth in confidence really came because uh, for in my experience when I would go to churches and I would go to churches in Pittsburgh uh, there were several in that area um, Allegheny Center yeah. was one and uh, they were just very supportive and uh, that's uh, that that gave me that started to give me confidence that I could do this. Then something happened in the nineties where, um, I started reaching out to colleges and universities, uh, mostly to chaplains. And, uh, and one of the chaplains I, I reached out to was Will Willimon, who was the chaplain at Duke university. And, uh, he brought me down to do a, a presentation of Mark's gospel. And, uh, it was really a very special event. One of the people there was uh, the director of drama of the university, and he wrote me a letter afterwards telling me that, uh, you know, he was invited to come, didn't want to come. He said, I was looking forward to it with all the pleasure of dental surgery. And uh, I, but then he said, you know, I never, I, then what did I see? I, I have never, now for the first time I realize why this is such potent material. You know, he saw about the gospel. So um, that made me uh, realize that if I could, uh, that 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 encouraged me to start fellowship for performing arts. That if I could select the right material, execute it to the highest levels that our budgets will allow, so that we can play at the greater at, at great university or great venues around the country, including universities that I could be uh, much more effective. And so that's where uh, Fellowship for Performing Arts came into being. Outstanding. Max McLean is with us. The Screw Tape Letters hits Pittsburgh Saturday, February 16th at 4 o'clock at the Byam Theater downtown. Tickets on sale at um, fpatheater.com, fpatheater.com. Or you could go to screwtapeonstage.com. That's a little easier to... A little easier to That'll redirect. Very nice. ScrewTapeOnStage.com. ScrewTapeOnStage.com. So, Max, that moment, was there a moment whenever, you know, so you've received encouragement from people in the profession, uh, from chaplains. You you come off of stage and you think, you know, yeah, I'm building something here. Was there, I mean, what's what's that like for you as uh, a believer in Christ and um, an artist where you realize that this is coalescing into something that you could not have imagined a decade or two earlier, and you start to give glory to God. You go, holy smokes, Lord, you know, you're given, there's all this gratitude pouring out of you. What's that like in your life, and how does that affect your faith life? Well, it's the right response. You know, it's, it's the, you know, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So that's what, when you're doing 
when you're doing what God called you to do, uh, uh, the verse that I claim as my life verse is, is Ephesians 2.10. We are created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so you're you're walking in His will. You're doing what uh, what your uh, what 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 He has equipped you to do. I mean, one of the things I, I think about in in terms of recognizing whether you're in God's will or not is what are you you know what are you passionate about? And because that's how God sort of speaks to your personality is is what you get very enthusiastic about. And then the second thing is, what are you good at? What talents have you given? Has he given you? And when your passion and your talent connect, that's a pretty good indication that you're in the right place. Yeah. And then the third thing, of course, is uh, is what doors has he opened? What opportunities has he provided? And in my case, it was you know this concentric circle. Uh, a, you know, small circle of influence that got a little bit larger, a little bit larger, a little bit larger over time, where more opportunities opened up. Uh, I mean, it's not fail-safe, but it's a really good indication yeah. of uh, being in God's will. That you're on the right path. So um, talk about playing screw tape, because uh, I, I wonder, you know, a lot of people would go, wait, wait, someone's on stage and they're portraying the devil. Um does that affect you in a in a dark way? Do you you know people would think that you know donning the the devil's cloth so to speak that you would you know be under spiritual attack? Um, how does that work in your life? Well, there I mean there may be something to that. Uh, what Lewis was trying to do was he wrote satire, and he also wanted to teach Christian theology through satire through narrative. And so he created this uh, this morally inverted universe where up is down, good is bad, God is called the enemy, and and Satan is called our father below in order for us to really see that we must not be ignorant of, of his devices. Uh, he masquerades as an angel of light, yes. uh, and yet he wants to, uh, you know, uh, he wants to go about like a roaring lion seeking the people to devour and so the whole point of screw tape in its entertainment value and in its uh, uh, its approach of playing the devil is to to encourage audiences to guard their hearts to uh, to put on the armor of God because he is uh, very conniving. He uses a lot of resources, uh, mostly psychological, to uh, to try to condemn you to hell. Yes, and so that's why we should uh, uh, read the Screw Tape Letters. And if you don't, and it's and it's not an easy book to read. And one of the great things about a theatrical production is uh, is that it's more ex- it's in many ways it's more accessible than the book. And, and has the ability to uh, to inspire people to read the book, uh, you know, because they, they now they have a way of, of, of getting into it. Yeah. Whereas prior to seeing the show, they, they hadn't. 
I saw the production of the Screw Tape Letters years ago, and uh, when it first opened, and there you were on stage wearing this red smoking jacket, which yeah. which I thought was just, just a fabulous choice. I mean, <laughs> it's not how to think of the devil, right? I mean, but it's um, elegant and uh, also cunning at the same time. But there's a sense of bon vivant about him. Well, uh, the 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 story of the play. Uh, is it's a predator prey story. Screw tapes the predator and and the the patient, the object of his attack is the prey, and so the question is, will the predator get his prey? And so you follow two two story arcs when you when you see the play is what happens to screw tape. Uh, sorry, what happens to patient who begins the play as spiritually indifferent, and by the end of the play he is. Uh, uh, he is in a state of grace, yes. and this is this is due to, uh, and this is in spite of Screw Tape trying to ruin him, and that's of course due to the presence of Screw Tape's enemy, which is uh, what uh, Screw Tape calls God, his enemy. Yes. Then the other the other uh, story arc is what happens to Screw Tape. That's the more dramatic one. Uh, who begins to play as this master of the universe character, loves the way he looks, loves the way he talks, loves the way he dresses, smartest guy in the room, he's pure pride. And by the end of the play, he's a defeated devil. And uh, that's the more entertaining arc, and that too is due to the presence of Scutape's enemy. So the real protagonist in the story is God. We need to step away from our conversation with Max McLean. The Screwtape Letters is at the Byam Theater February 16th. Tickets are on sale, but stay with us. When we come back, we'll have a few more minutes with Max McLean. The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt, credit card debt, and I heard a commercial for Trinity. I gave them a call. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976. When I first called, I was a little embarrassed and kind of ashamed, and I looked at the numbers, and I saw how quickly that astronomical debt that was in my life would go away. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. What I would tell other people, please pick up the phone and call Trinity. Just let them put together a program and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. Call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976. That's 1-800-990-6976. Today, you have more choices than ever when it comes to where you purchase products, but you also have an opportunity to support companies that align with your values. The Original Mattress Factory hand-builds high-quality mattresses right here in your hometown. We believe in doing right by our customers by offering the best mattresses at factory-direct prices every day. So when you shop for a mattress, we hope you'll make the choice to buy with your values. Visit the Original Mattress Factory to see the OMF difference for yourself. Hi, I'm Mike Ditcher. On the field, they called me Iron Mike. But some days, even Iron Mike can feel a little rusty. So I turned to Blue Emu. 
Blue Emu's non-greasy, deep-penetrating formula gets down deep for big-time comfort. And more importantly, it doesn't leave me smelling like a locker room. Now, do you excuse me? I have some yelling to do. You hit like old men. Blue Emu. It works fast and you won't stink. The Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America invites you to take steps for cures at a walk event near you. Support the 1.6 million Americans living with these diseases. Get started at cctakesteps.org. I love the joy that children bring to the office. Good dental habits begin early with Dr. Megan Stock. I like creating those good, positive first experiences. My mommy is a really good dentist, and she'll take good care of you. Visit StockFamilyDentistry.com. You have my word on it. As we start 2019, we so much appreciate the support of one of our newest clients, Grove City College. So thanks to everyone at GCC, John and I, and every Everyone here at the Ride Home are grateful for your partnership. Cloudy skies tonight getting a little cooler with a low of 36, then cloudy with rain at times tomorrow and tomorrow night. High tomorrow 55, low tomorrow night 47. More rain at times on Thursday, unseasonably mild, with a record-challenging high temperature of 61 degrees, then much colder by the time the weekend rolls around. I'm AccuWeather's Jack Hubbard on 101.5 Word FM. Max McLean is with us. The Screwtape Letters comes to Pittsburgh Saturday, February 16th at the Byam Theater. Fellowship Performing Arts is producing. This is a Max producing arm. Max, um, famously, you've made a name for yourself, uh, of course, by reading the Bible, uh, this rich, gorgeous voice that you have. I, I often, when I, when I hear you read, I often uh, you know, think of you inside of a studio uh, with a pair of headphones on. What is that like for you? And can you describe emotionally and spiritually that journey as you go along in a recording session? I mean, not a recording session. I think, you know, for anyone who's seen that in the movies or whatever, is not necessarily a a spiritual sort of um, place. But I would imagine being alone in a small space like that and reading God's word into a microphone, it's got to change you. Well, certainly it depends on what you're reading. Uh, if you're reading some of the Gospels or the letters or the Psalms or, or Proverbs uh, or even parts of Isaiah, uh, Daniel, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's just an inspiring and enlivening experience. And then some parts of, the, of it is pretty challenging, you know, that <laughs> going through some of the Levitical laws and uh, some of the marking out of, uh, of the land um, or even... Uh, some of the uh, stories of the kings, you know, where it's oftentimes it's hard to try to get, you know, we 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 are living in the 21st century and we have to understand the mind of somebody, you know, fifth, sixth, eighth century BC, and that becomes a bit of a challenge. So uh, it, it it requires an enormous amount of concentration. I bet. Well, Max, uh, uh, sadly, our time's up. I really enjoyed our conversation with you, helping to sort of peel back what goes on in your mind as the artist and the producer for Fellowship Performing Arts. Greatly looking forward to the screw tape letters coming into Pittsburgh on the 16th of February at the Byam Theater. And just thrilled for you that God has used you in the way that he has these uh, t- 
two two ways in the theater and in your faith that come together that help equip and engage and inspire people to to move closer to Jesus Christ. So thanks so much for that, Max. Oh, thank you very much for having me. Look forward to our shows in Pittsburgh. Our pleasure. Thank you. WORD. Coming up this week from Chuck Swindoll. Life isn't about us. It is about God's working through us. Hard message for the young to grasp. All of it is in his hands. God is at work carrying out his ways in his time. Lessons on trusting God, even when life delivers surprises. Ahead on Insight for Living with Chuck Swindoll. Tomorrow morning at 8 on 101.5 WORD. If you're serious about wanting to be your own boss and if you're serious about wanting to succeed, your very first phone call should be to Vanguard. Rob Thomas is living proof of how quickly you can grow with Vanguard Cleaning System's proven model of success. That's shocking, ain't it? Shock me. <laughs> when I started it was me and my brother on the truck. Now I got two company trucks, eight people that work for me, and I got an office on Braddock Avenue. And that's in a year and a half. They give me my first contract, a company down on the North Shore. The next thing you know, one turn to two, two turn to three, three turn to ten. Because they got good reviews about my work. Makes me feel like I'm making a difference. The trainer was good. You get a lot of one-on-one time, FaceTime. And it's not like you go through training and that's it. They're always a phone call away. You want to go to Vanguard because they're going to put you in a best position to succeed with Vanguard back in you. Sky's the limit. To start your own janitorial business in the Pittsburgh area, call Vanguard Cleaning Systems of Western PA, 724-870-4120. Question, do you have a health insurance plan you are not happy with? Well, Bethany and Jason thought they were stuck. Their plan just kept getting more expensive, and Bethany's favorite doctor didn't even take that plan anymore. And then some friends at church told them about MediShare. With our previous insurance, we were paying $1,200 a month. With MediShare, we now pay around $600 a month. Yes, they're paying $600 less per month, and that's a pretty typical savings with MediShare. And they actually like MediShare more. I was able to go back to my original doctor that I absolutely loved, and it's just been an absolutely beautiful thing being a part of MediShare. Yeah, so they pay a lot less, and they like it more. No wonder MediShare is growing so fast. Find out more. They're super easy to talk to. All you have to do is call 844-41-BIBLE. That's 844-41-B-I-B-L-E, 844-41-BIBLE. Most executors don't want the job, quite frankly. Attorney Michelle Conti, host of Conti's Law, on the importance of proper estate administration. There's a lot of steps that go into settling an estate, and if they don't get it right, not knowing the law isn't a defense to why you didn't do it correctly in the first place. When you pass without appropriate planning, it can be very costly. We see more fractions within families when death and money are involved. If you don't plan appropriately, it's very common. Siblings don't speak anymore. We act as the mediator for that executor to understand the law. We sit down and go through what probate looks like. Once we go through those steps, we'll assist with getting all of the legal documents, getting you sworn in with the local court, and starting that probate process. And then we will act as the mediator with the beneficiary and the executor. Hear more on Conti's Law, Saturday morning at 9 on WORD. For immediate help, visit ContiLawPGH.com. You ever do this? <laughs> this is, uh, sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night. 
you know, it's four o'clock in the morning and I can't get back to bed. So I read, I pray, and I have to admit, sometimes I go on Amazon, <laughs> which is just horrific. It's a horrific, th- it's a bad, bad corner to stand on at 4.30 in the morning. Because then I'll go into my wish list. Do you have an Amazon wish list of things that, you know, you're you're shopping and then you go out and now, oh, I'm not going to buy that now, but I'll put that under my wish list. And if I scroll through my wish list, uh, it's horrific. Truly, it's it's an it's an exercise in extreme sinfulness. It really is. Whatever happened to the and I, I believe it is the art of self-denial. Well, Amy Simpson is with us. Amy is the acquisitions editor from Moody Publishing. She's a regular guest on our show, uh, a number of books that she's written over the years, which we love. Blessed are the unsatisfied, finding spiritual freedom in an imperfect world, troubled minds, mental illness in the church's mission, and anxious, choosing faith in a world of worry. Of worry. And, uh, oh, Mike, we lost her. Amy's gone. Oh, she just fell off the um, off the phone tree there for a second. Maybe she got scared of my introduction. You thought, oh, I don't want to talk to a guy who's going to talk about his Amazon. <laughs> she had no interest in talking about my Amazon wish list, <laughs> which is a shame. <laughs> I'm sorry because I could have engaged her in some uh, talk about my Kenmore stainless steel cleaner or my uh, 10 large bath bombs. <laughs> Aim, hey, welcome, welcome to the show. Were you afraid to uh, indulge me in my Amazon wish list? Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I think uh, the Amazon wish list can be very dangerous. Yes, it is, right? So so it is. It's one of those things that when, when I scroll through my Amazon wish list and I think of all these ridiculous things that I'll never buy, hopefully, because, I mean, it's just an exercise in gluttony, it is, you know, the, the shopping idea of all that. But somehow, by the grace of God, uh, I catch up with myself and I enter into a to a, a thing of denial, of, of self-denial. And, and you talk about that at your blog post, a self-denial comeback. I, is that really a, such a thing? <laughs> well, I don't know. We'll see. Yes. <laughs> but, but it's something I think uh, we probably all need. You know, that's something that might be worth advocating for, if not, if not more broadly, in our own personal lives. Yeah. Um, because I'm not sure we've ever needed it more. <laughs> You've got that <laughs> you know? right. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I think about... Um, Marie Kondo, right, in the minimalist the minimalist lifestyle and all the different sort of blogs and a, a small industry of doing more with less. But when all you got to do is look around at the self-storage containers that sort of dot the landscape of America now, clearly people are, are not into self-denial. We're just into more consumption. Yeah, and, you know, it's not – I I'm, I don't think we're any different from how humans have always been. You know, I think this is a, a human problem throughout time, but we've we've made it easier than ever to acquire. Heck, yeah. Um, you know, it's getting easier and easier. In fact, you talk about Amazon, how easy it is to, to buy something on, on Amazon. You know, you can just hit the buy now button. I love it. And it's, it's headed your way, right? Or you, yeah. you order it through um, the Echo app or, the you know, through Alexa. Um, those, there's no, there's, there's no accident that it's become so easy, right? Yeah. There's a benefit to, um, to businesses to make it easy for us to order. And yet sure. sometimes 
it is it does require effort on our part i mean it it, it, it trades on our worst impulses as human beings okay so in your self denial comeback piece that you wrote which i love you talk about that you found yourself touring an exhibit hall at a kitchen and bath expo and quite honestly that sounds lovely i would like to do that <laughs> yeah it was pretty cool actually my my sister happens to be a like in the design you know home design business and um, I just tagged along with her, and it was something I hadn't done before. It was really fascinating to see all these cool design elements and and some kind of innovations in home design, um, especially you know kitchen and bath. I bet. So you discovered about yourself something that uh, herefore you did not know something about uh, a green a bathtub and a sink. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I wasn't. You know, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about my bathroom. Um, or my sink, although certainly there are all, you know, there's always this sense that my house could be more beautiful. In fact, it could be much more beautiful than it actually is. Um, but, you know, I wasn't thinking, when I went there, I wasn't thinking, oh, I, you know, really would like to get a new sink for my bathroom. You know, it wasn't something that I went in um, already feeling. It was a, a feeling that came on me when I saw this beautiful sink and thought, well, I have to have that one. It was, you know, it was one of those vessel things. It's like above the counter, and it was shaped like a leaf. It was green. It was, it was really appealing and really pretty, and probably created just for someone like me. And suddenly, I felt like I had to have it, even though, again, I did not go in thinking I was looking for a new sink, and right. I didn't walk out with a sink either. You didn't. Um, but you know, it's amazing how seeing something can trigger in us a desire for it that otherwise would never have existed. Yep. Oh, I, I know this feeling so well. I remember um, I was a young kid, and I just moved to New York City, and I saw this green shirt in a store window. And I didn't have enough money to pay for it on the spot, but I knew that my payday was several days away. And I obsessed about that green shirt I mean, literally for three days. And so on a Saturday morning, the Friday after I got paid, I showed up at that store at 10 a.m. And I walked in that store and I laid my money down and I bought that green shirt. And then I wore that shirt one time and I thought, you know what? You don't look so great in it. And the color is not so, no, it's not such a great color. What was that all about? And I felt like a fool that I had built this thing up so deeply in my mind and then had, you know, let myself down so fully. I mean, isn't that a weird disconnect? And I think that's kind of like just human nature, how we all, when we desire something, then we acquire it. We're ready to move on to the next big thing, whether it's been a hit or not. Yeah, exactly. And I think part of what drives us to do that is, you know, I'm guessing when you saw that green shirt, there were probably some some thoughts and some images that went through your head that had nothing to do with the shirt. Exactly. It was all the things that could happen to you in right. that shirt, yeah. right? What I would all be. The, yeah, the, the vibes that you'd be giving off right. in, that, yeah. in that shirt. And, of course, for me, you know, I'm imagining people coming to my house and seeing the sink and what it would say about me. <laughs> and when those things and those objects <laughs> don't deliver on that. Yeah. Of course, they're going to leave us with disappointment. And when we see the objects for what they really are, just objects, yes, you know, then often we think, well, there's, there's got to be something else. Out something there else. Okay, so here we are, and we're, um, we're uh, you know, not almost mid February, but but the Lenten season is not that far from us. And of course, I I, I love the Lenten season. I think a lot of believers do, especially if you are involved uh, actively in the act of self denial. There's a lot to be said for this. 
there is. And it's a, it can be a very valuable discipline that, you know, first of all, can, can cause us to see our, our desires in a new way, and, but also can help us better understand our actual needs, <laughs> you know, to make the differentiation between what we actually need and what only temporarily feels like a need. Yeah. So biblically, what do you draw from when you think about self-denial? How does that work in your prayer life? Yeah, you know, that's a, a great question. And, you know, for, of course, first of all, one of the things that comes to mind is the idea of you know, denying yourself, take up your cross and follow Jesus. And different that, that concept can be interpreted differently, but it's clear that some, you know, part of what is involved in there is saying no to something. You know, it is saying no to, to what our sinful nature desires. It's saying no to, um, you know, maybe what the world tells us we need or we want. Um, that, is, that, that is an act that we are called to, that Jesus specifically has called us to in order to follow him. You know, you think of, of 1 John two sixteen and 17, you know, that talks about the, the lust of the flesh, the, the pride of life. You know, and, and in the NLT, it's, it's translated, for the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. Hmm. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. Yes. I think that's a really important thing for us to remember and is really woven throughout Scripture, the idea that, that this world is temporary and that our lives are short. So what are we going to live for? How, what are we going to allow ourselves to be consumed with and, and obsessed with, right. you know, and to think about and to make at the, put at the center of our lives? It is very easy for us to be distracted yes. by things we can see, and yet ultimately the things we can't see are the things that will, that will truly last. Yes, because you're, as you said, this world is fading away. I love it, you know, oftentimes like when you, I remember being a kid and going into my grandparents' house and was fascinated because it was sort of like walking into a time capsule. Their TV set, you know, was probably 20 years off the mark. Of course, their clothes, their, you know, it, it was for a lot of older people, you sort of reach a point where you go, I'm really done. I don't really need anything else anymore. I'm not need, I don't have to chase the trend. I don't have to worry about the fashion. And I really appreciate that about people. And, 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 and it might just be a mark of old age, or maybe it's just a mark of spiritual maturity, where you go, enough is enough. It doesn't really matter for me. Let me finally set my gaze on something higher. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And when you, when you think about what's possibly behind that, you know, I imagine there, there's some spiritual maturity and just some, some good old-fashioned human maturity. Um, but also, you know, a shift in perspective, I think, that happens throughout life. You know, we've both been around long enough to have experienced some of that. Um, you know, a shift in, in what is important to us because we see the length of our lives differently. Yes. And we, when we are forced to consider, what is it that I want to invest in? Do I want to invest in making myself more comfortable here right now or in owning more? Or do I want to invest in, you know, something that, that actually will outlive me or um, in, in my relationship with Christ, who I'm, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to spend eternity with? Um, that shift in perspective, I think, happens for most of us as we see the life ahead of us 
growing shorter. Yes. So instead of something new on my Amazon wish list or me longing outside the window, look at my green shirt, my wish list should be a deeper daily relationship with Jesus, which will wipe away all fear, all doubt, and make me a new creation in him. Amy, it's always a pleasure. Amy Simpson, she is an acquisitions editor from Moody Publishing, the author of several excellent books, uh, Anxious, Choosing Faith in a World of Worry. She also blogs well, A Self-Denial Comeback. That's what Amy and I have been talking about. Stick around. We've got lots more ahead during our 5 o'clock hour. Stay with us. Always something interesting here on The Ride Home with John and Kathy. Testing, testing, one, two. Can you say something into the mic? Red leather, yellow leather, the tip of the tongue, the top of the teeth. (laughs) All right, uh, what's this for? Uh, It's a life insurance company. Ethos? Oh, okay. You know, I looked this up last night. No joke, ended up applying for life insurance. (laughs) No way. Yeah, seriously. I didn't have life insurance and always heard it was so complicated and time-consuming. But this was easy. Oh, nice. It took only a few minutes to apply. You get a quote right away, pick your policy, and answer some questions all in 10 minutes. It wound up being affordable, too. And you know what? I feel good to have finally gotten covered for my family. Wow. What's it called again? Ethos. But the website is ethoslife.com. Well, okay. It's in my notes. Ready to do this? Uh, Yeah. Wait. Doesn't that red light mean we've been on the air the whole time? (laughs) Yep. Oh, well, I said it already, but here it goes. Get a free instant quote and submit your application within minutes at ethoslife.com. That's E-T-H-O-S life.com. This is going to be the year. This is the year you are finally going to get more sleep, real sleep, deep sleep, the kind where you wake up feeling fully rested, refreshed, and ready to take on the day. Well, put your head on my pillow. This is John Hall. There's no better time than now to make my pillow your pillow. Stop tossing and turning and get the support you need in your quest for a better night's sleep. Right now, Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow, is offering word listeners his amazing four-pack special. Order today. You'll receive two premium my pillows along with two go anywhere pillows. Plus, shipping is absolutely free. Just enter the promo code word at mypillow.com. Try it. And if you don't absolutely love it, return it within 60 days for a full refund. If you've resolved to get a better night's sleep, now's the perfect time to do it. Use promo code word at mypillow.com and make my pillow yours today. That's mypillow.com. Promo code word. If you're worried about your cholesterol, hear how others are taking charge with garlic my doctor said my cholesterol was borderline but i've been taking garlic and it works i've been taking garlic for years my pharmacist recommended garlic he said there's an ingredient in garlic that helps maintain healthy cholesterol i take garlic every day no garlic breath lots of people like you are choosing garlic to help maintain a healthy cholesterol garlic it's cholesterol's natural enemy these statements have not been evaluated by the fda this product is not intended to diagnose treat cure or prevent any disease use as directed i had a great time this morning with my dad She just made me feel so comfortable. To patients of Dr. Megan Stock, she's more than a great dentist. She's an answer to prayer. She makes you feel so calm. Didn't make me feel shameful about the condition of my teeth. We just love to talk about the Lord and what's going on in our families. I am confident that when I'm finished that I'm going to have a bright, beautiful smile, which I really wanted to have for a long time. She does fabulous work. Perry Highway in Wexford at StockFamilyDentistry.com. I think as long as God has put us here, when you look up at the stars at night, you think, 
what's out there. Isn't that absolutely gorgeous? But what is beyond that? So um, Harvard, Harvard University, their top astronomer says that he thinks that an alien spaceship may already be among us, and he does not care what his colleagues think. Um, the man's name is Avi Loeb. He said uh, he learned growing up, growing up on a farm that uh, cosmic modesty is um, not part of the world, that when you look up at the heavens, God is not interested in being modest. He wants to show you all the greatness. So Avi Loeb has made this pronouncement um, in 2014. And ever since that time that he's talked about that an alien spaceship is among us, he's become a bit of a, um, an outcast and a bit of a celebrity in intellectual circles. I mean, if you're the chief astronomer at Harvard, that's a heavy weight to bear. He, um, people call him a crank. And he says, he says this, um, considering an artificial origin, one possibility is that umanamu, I'm sure I'm pronouncing, mispronouncing that wrong, which is a hot Hawaiian word for scout, uh, is that we should be thrilled that E.T. is among us. Umanamu is an alien spaceship, and the authors of the paper insult honest scientific inquiry to suggest that there is a spaceship among us, so say his detractors. I don't know. What We've talked about this. Kath and I have talked about this off and on over the years. Do you believe in that? Do you believe that we are alone in the universe? Or do you believe that God created more than us? I mean, I, I'm of two minds of this. I, I believe that God is a God of creation. And that when you look at the stars in the heavens, right, he just... God cannot help but be the creator. Create, create, create. All you'd have to do is look at the, the variety and the incredible beauty of all the things that are around us from a single cell or from an atom or a neutron, a proton, to the beauty of the earth or the Milky Way beyond that and everything else in between. All the varieties of creative and artistic endeavor that our Lord and Savior is invested in. So if I take that to that, then I would think, well, why would he stop at us? Why would he? But then there are others who say, well, you know, we are the apple of the Lord's eye. And his creation began and ended with us in his likeness. In his likeness we are. So outside of that realm of creation, another intelligent form that reflects the glory of God and praises God, then people say that's not a possibility. What do you think about that? Are we alone? Are we alone? Or is there something that is beyond us, that there are other species that recognize God as the creator and the Lord? It's one of those questions I, I doubt will be answered in our lifetime unless all of a sudden E.T. shows up, Close Encounters of the Third Kind shows up. But I'd like to imagine that there is. And with that, there's also a greater understanding of God and a greater genuflection to see his glory amongst us. I don't know. Just a thought. Hey, stick around. Uh, five o'clock hour. 
we're going to tell a story, or a guest is, about the chicken runs at midnight. And we'll also talk about confession. That's the 5 o'clock hour of the ride home. Sharing the word that changes the world. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh, a service of Salem Media Group. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. President Trump is getting ready for his State of the Union address this evening before both houses of Congress. And both sides are lining up for and against the president. Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer says President Trump spends all year dividing the nation and only now calls for unity. The blatant hypocrisy of this president calling for unity is that he is one of the chief reasons Americans feel so divided. While Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says there's no choice but for lawmakers to have a bipartisan spirit. When the American people elect divided government, they're saying we know you disagree on a lot of things, but look for the things you agree on and do those. If the past weeks have shown anything, it's that we need to work together across the aisle in order to do our work. The speech begins at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. On Wall Street, the Dow by 172 points. The Nasdaq rose 54. The S&P advanced 13. This is SRN News. Winter is a fantastic time to replace windows and doors. Energy Swing's Donnie Dara on the value of a winter installation. Whenever you get windows and doors in the wintertime, it is actually a very warm installation. We take one window out at a time, you immediately put the new one in, and then most of the time is taken by finishing around the inside and finishing around the outside. And it's the same concept with a door. And prices are typically the best in the winter months. Typically, it's a slower season. A lot of suppliers have a lot of discounts. So what we're offering right now, we have an additional $50 off per window and $250 off per door. Plus, for the loyal Word FM listeners, when you get a new entry door, you get a free ring doorbell. The ring doorbell has really been a big thing, and we give them away free with every front entry door that we install. Right now, take an extra $50 off per window when you purchase six or more and $250 off per entry door or patio door over and above any current offers for Word listeners only at Energy swingwindows.com if your family depends on your income and something happened to you what would happen to them you need life insurance and select quote can help you get it at a price you can afford select quote found jacob 40 who's in excellent health a 10-year five hundred thousand dollar policy for only 19 dollars a month not in perfect health don't worry. Select quote found Tanya, 40, who has type 2 diabetes, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for only $32 a month. We shop companies like Protective, Prudential, American General, and others to find you the company with the best rates. Give your family the security they need at a price you can afford. For your free quote, call 1-800-880-7474. That's 1-800-880-7474. Or go to selectquote.com. That's 1-800-880-7474. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Get full details on the example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your premium could vary depending on your health, issuing company, and other factors. Not available in all states. How many sales are you missing because you're not effectively using social media marketing? The vast majority of the population is on social media, shopping. We're Salem Surround. We take the mystery of digital marketing off your shoulders, letting you run your business while we deliver customers 
There are no limitations on where you can reach customers with Salem Surround. Total market penetration for increased ROI. Learn more by logging on to surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. You know when you have about a billion things to do today, and then you realize you're out of whatever it is that you really need, and next day shipping isn't going to cut it because you really need it in like an hour. Yeah. That's when you turn to Office Depot Office Max. Buy what you need online at officedepot.com or on our app and pick it up in store for free in just one hour so you can get back to whatever else is lurking on your to-do list. And now save big at the buy two, get one free event. That's buy two, get one free at Office Depot Office Max. Offer expires February 9th, 2019. Cloudy skies tonight, getting a little cooler with a low of 36, then cloudy with rain at times tomorrow and tomorrow night. High tomorrow 55, low tomorrow night 47. More rain at times on Thursday, unseasonably mild, with a record-challenging high temperature of 61 degrees, then much colder by the time the weekend rolls around. I'm AccuWeather's Jack Hubbard on 101.5 Word FM. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, driven by Calusi Chevrolet serving the Pittsburgh area for over 100 years. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home on 101.5 Word FM. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, thanks for being with us. Rich Donnelly from the uh, well, former third base coach for the Pittsburgh Pirates will join us in just a little bit. He's got a great story to tell. The chicken runs at midnight. Of course, tonight is the State of the Union Address, and Pittsburgh, uh, sadly, will be well represented um, from the Tree of Life shooting, Judah Samet will be with us. Judah Samet, uh, 75, well, almost 90 years, um, sorry, 75 years after the Holocaust. He'll be uh, sitting with First Lady Melania Trump and also officer, police officer Timothy Matson uh, from the Pittsburgh Bureau of Police, who was gravely wounded, shot multiple times. He will also be sitting uh, with the First Lady. The president said that he will deliver an aspirational speech that will uh, ask the nation to come together in these trying times. Of course, the uh, the uh, State of the Union gets underway at 9 o'clock this evening and broadcast live by all local affiliates, uh, by all national affiliates, as well as Greg Clugston from Salem Radio Network News. Hope you tune in. Uh, it promises to be a very interesting State of the Union address. Hey, stick around. As I said, Rich Donnelly from the Pittsburgh Pirates. What a great story. Don't miss this. Stay with us. Why get stuck with a Medicare plan that leaves you at a disadvantage? Medicare open enrollment season has been extended through March 31st. This is Kathy Emmons. Take advantage of your final opportunity this year to make a one-time switch to real Medicare coverage that includes traditional Medicare Part B and the Part D prescription drug plan. The team at Marley Financial knows Medicare's confusing. They know you have questions, and their team of experts can guide you through all the options available to help you make the best choice possible. A comprehensive Medicare plan that lets you access any doctor or hospital you want without a referral, with lower deductibles, and co-pays that are little to none. A Medicare plan that's focused not just on cost, but quality. Don't get stuck paying thousands in out-of-pocket expenses. Call Marley Financial today at 724-884-1497. Deadline is March 31st. Call 724-884-1496, 724-884-1496, or visit MarleyFG.com. I love you, a bushel and a peck. 
A bushel and a peck and a hug around the neck. Hi, it's me, Marsha, from the Springhouse to see what you're planning for the love of your life besides a hug around the neck. Well, we've got something fun planned for Valentine's Day. Let me tell you about it. We'll turn down the lights, light the candles, bring out the china, and serve you the yummiest, home-cooked, farm-fresh, four-course meal you ever tasted. Wedding soup, reunion salad, grilled marinated flank steak, Mediterranean stuffed chicken breasts, pearls, potatoes, and your choice of homemade Springhouse cheesecake or pie for dessert. Or when I can't forget, coffee and pink lemonade. Our talented piano player will be on board to serenade you too. So call to reserve your spot or just come on out to the farm for a Valentine's Sweetheart Dinner at the Springhouse in 84 PA. Reserve your Sweetheart Dinner date for Valentine's Day, 5 to 8.30 PM, Thursday, February 14th at 724-228-3339 or at springhousemarket.com. So the only thing really keeping you from enrolling your children in Christian school is sports? Trinity Christian School answers that concern with boys' soccer, girls' volleyball, and track for boys and girls. A well-rounded Christian education with the sports opportunities you want? Now that sounds really good. Trinity Christian School, ranked among the top K-12 schools in Allegheny County at trinitychristian.net. Today, you have more choices than ever when it comes to where you purchase products, but you also have an opportunity to support companies that align with your values. The Original Mattress Factory hand-builds high-quality mattresses right here in your hometown. We believe in doing right by our customers by offering the best mattresses at factory-direct prices every day. So when you shop for a mattress, we hope you'll make the choice to buy with your values. Visit the Original Mattress Factory to see the OMF difference for yourself. Our first guest on today's show is essentially living every guy in America's dream in that he spent his entire life working in Major League Baseball, either as a player, as a coach for many, many decades. Uh, This guy's basically seen and done it all. Uh, Rich Donnelly is with us. He's got a brand new book out called The Chicken Runs at Midnight, a daughter's message from heaven that changed the father's heart and won a World Series. Rich, welcome to the show. How are you today? John, good morning, or good afternoon. Rich, How are you doing? real good. Thanks for being with us. Uh, listen, uh, I've read the book, The Chicken Runs at Midnight. It's a fabulous story, really. I mean, it's chock full of so many wonderful, funny, crazy, interesting things, which essentially is your life. But, you know, you've got a, a real strong connection here to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Of course, you spent more than a decade here uh, as part of the Pirates coaching staff. But let's go back and talk about your life story because it's really a fascinating story, okay? Sure. Yeah, great. Um, go ahead. Uh, well, you know, the, we, we started out the book. Tom Friend, the author, by the way, had, did a terrific job. All I did was give him the uh, information, and then he just – he just made it an uh, un- unbelievable book. He sure did. Uh, it, it's about it's about me growing up in my hometown here of Steubenville, Ohio, which is a small steel mill town, and uh, you know it was a it's a it's pretty much a gambling town back in the good old days with Dean Martin and Jimmy the Greek who mm-hmm. from here, and uh, cripe, I was playing my first parlay when I was in the first grade. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, and uh, I, I tell the story in the book that. It was such a gambling town that I went to a Catholic school, Holy Name Cathedral, and in the first grade, uh, on every Friday, my dad would give me a parlay sheet. He'd tell me to fill it out and give it to him for the football games on Saturday. So I took my sheet to class one day, and 
I was filling it out, and all of a sudden, Sister Rosalie walked up the aisle, and she saw me. She goes, hey, Mr. Donnelly, what's this? And I go, oh, nothing, sister. And I try to put it away. She goes, let me see that piece of paper. And I, she grabbed it out of my hand. She goes, well, what is this? I goes, well, sister, it's a, it's a parlay sheet. And she says, well, how does that work? I said, well, there's football games on here, and you pick out three teams, and you give my dad five bucks, and if all three teams hit, you win 25 bucks. She says, well, let me see that again. And she reaches into her habit and pulls out a pen, and she circles Michigan, Ohio State, and Purdue. <laughs> and, and and she gave me $5. She goes, here, give us to your dad and, uh, and play it for me. And uh, and on Monday, I brought her back $25. So that's, <laughs> that's the way we do it here in Studentville. That's incredible. I mean, really, it is. And then, uh, yeah. You go ahead, yeah. And then, uh, you know, my childhood was all designed. I had an older brother, Romy. Uh, Jerome, but Romy, and he was uh, my hero. And he, of course, he was a big baseball pitcher, not only in high school, but at University of Notre Dame and in pro baseball. And I was 14 years younger than him. He wanted me to, of course, follow in his footsteps. And at 28 years old, he contacted Hodgkin's disease and passed away. Mm-hmm. And, he was, and he was my hero. He taught me everything. He taught me to be a catcher. And, uh, after he passed away, he told me, or before he passed away, he said, Richard, he said, Dad's going to be tough on you because I didn't make it. He's going to be tough on you. Well, I had no idea what tough on you meant. I bet. Tough on you meant that on the days of Little League, you didn't go off the porch. You didn't go to, you weren't allowed to swim. You weren't allowed to go uh, to, a, to a movie. You had to sit on the porch all day. You had to eat a, a pregame meal now at 2 o'clock. Now, I'm 8 years old, by the way. And, uh. And so I listened to my radio, KDKA. Uh, I was friends with all the guys on the radio because that's where my buddies. Yeah. And uh, my dad was strict. Uh, if I struck out, I got the belt when I get home. And uh, that wasn't the right thing to do, but that's, you know, that's what, it was his way of trying to teach me how to be a better player. And then as I got into high school, didn't have my driver's license until I was 21. He wouldn't allow me to get a license. Uh, didn't have no girlfriend. He wouldn't allow me to have a girlfriend. And uh, basically, uh, it was all baseball. Wow. And uh, so it, it was, I thought it was normal. I, I didn't know any different at the time. Yeah. So the time from when I was eight to about 18, uh, that's the way it was. And then I went to college. I went to Xavier University. And I was a decent baseball player. I got drafted by the New York Yankees in the ninth round. And I didn't sign because Dad wanted me to stay in school and then later I signed with the Minnesota Twins and uh, played four years of professional baseball, uh, got married, uh, had four beautiful kids. Uh, had my oldest son, Bubba, who was a great, great basketball player at Robert Morris University, still holds all, still, a lot of the records there. And then here comes Amy, my second uh, child, and then I had Mike and Tim, uh, so we had four kids and, uh, you know, we were going along okay, but then but on the way, uh, I was brought up a very strict Catholic. Uh, I mean, super, super strict. Yeah. I used to say all the prayers, morning, night, evening, said stations across every day. I had a May altar, John. I had a May altar at age 17 mm-hmm. in wow. my room. Wow. How, how many How many kids have a May altar at the age 17? Right. Maybe when you're younger. Of, yeah, yeah. I said three decades of the rosary every day, and I was... The two places I was most comfortable was on the altar, serving mass, or behind the plate on, on a baseball field. And I tell the story in the book, I, I stuttered terrible when I was little. 
but the only two places I never stuttered were on the altar and behind the plate. When I talked, you know, so I had to try to overcome that. And I used to pray every day to St. Jude and pray to God, please help me not stutter. And I'll, and someday maybe I, I, I can speak and maybe help somebody. And didn't know that 20 years after that, that that, that would happen. And uh, so I go along and I get into pro ball. I play. And then I got out of the, I, I see my life. I started out like at home plate and you go to first base and that's easy. And you're, it's like running the bases. And then you go to second base and, all of a sudden, I got away from my faith. I thought that to be a big league coach, you had to, you had to drink, you had to, you, you had to smoke, you had to, you know, chase women around. You had to do things that I thought all big leaguers did, sure. which, which wasn't the case at all. But I thought that, and I got way out of the baseline. And then, uh, on, uh, I was very fortunate. I played four years of pro ball, and then I got to coach in the minor leagues for ten years with Rangers, and then I hooked up with Jim Leland and the Pirates. And uh, in 1992, uh, I'm in Bradenton, Florida, and after a spring training game, the phone rings, and it's my daughter, 17-year-old daughter, Amy, and she goes, Dad, I have something I have to tell you. I have a brain tumor, and I'm sorry. And when she said, I'm sorry, uh, that got me, because I thought, man, she's apologizing to her dad for getting the brain tumor, because she knew how how it would affect me. And... uh, Five days later, I flew to uh, Texas where she was living in Arlington, had the, had the surgery. And after the surgery, doctor came out and he said, uh, uh, he said, Rich, uh, I have bad news. He says, the tumor is right behind her eye and we can't get it. And she has nine months to live. And uh, there's no rehearsal for that. There's no practice for that. There's not a lot of books to tell you how to handle your child, 17 years old, finding out she has a brain tumor and is going to die in nine months. So through the year, we went through that year. I was, And she told me after the operation, she said, Dad, go back to Pittsburgh and get those buckos in the World Series. And uh, so I went back, and Jim was great. Jim talked to her. Jim, Jim Leland, of course. He yeah. talked to Amy all the time on the phone. And he said, you know what? If we get in the playoffs, which we're going to, and we're going to get to the World Series, he said, we're going to fly her up. So anyway, we, we – uh, she was doing having chemo that up that summer, and I flew her up. Jim, I had a friend of mine fly her up, and she came to the uh, fifth game of the '92 playoffs. Bob walked, pitched, Pirates win. And after the game, we're driving home uh, with her friend Cindy, who came with her, and all the kids are in a car. And she says, "Dad, when you get down to that stance and cup your hands with a man on second, what are you telling those guys? A chicken runs at midnight, or what?" And I'm going, "Where in the heck did you come up with that one?" And she says, I don't know. It just came out, Dad. It just came out. I don't know. And we all laughed about it. And uh, that was our motto all through the year. Of course, we got beat in the playoffs by the Braves that year and didn't get to go to the World Series. And uh, she goes back to Arlington. And uh, around October, I'm sorry, around uh, January, uh, she lapsed into a coma. In fact, it was right around Christmas. And uh, doctors told us, uh, Rich, she, she's not going to make it. And January 28th, uh, which is uh, right around the corner, uh, 1993, she passed away. And she was 18? And we chose to, 18. We chose to honor her with putting the chicken runs at midnight on her tombstone because that was, 
that was our family motto. So we just thought about it. We all laughed about it and, and never thought anything else. But we signed our letters, C-R-A-M, all the kids. Because she used to write letters to all us, hmm. pumping us up. She has nine months to live, and she's, she wants to make sure I'm, I'm not getting down. She's she's sending letters to Tim and Bubba and Mike and encouraging them and all their activities. And I said, how the heck is she doing this? And then, you know, she's in the hospital. You know, she was in the hospital down there in Dallas. And so we put it under Tombstone, like I said. And then five years later, Jim takes a job, uh, and we go down to Florida with the Marlins. And uh, halfway through the season, we acquired a second baseman named Craig Council from Milwaukee, from uh, uh, Colorado. He's now the manager of the Milwaukee Brewers. And Counts was great, uh, but he had a funny batting stance. He held his hands real high, and he flapped his left arm like a chicken. And my sons, Tim and Mike, were the bat boys that year, and they called him the chicken man, which I never even paid any attention to. You know, they say, hey, the chicken wants to take some batting practice. Hey, the chicken wants to do this. I said, Who, who's the chicken? They said, counsel. <laughs> so anyway, we laughed about it and never thought anything of it. Lo and behold, we do get in the playoffs, and we get to the World Series, and here we are, uh, October 28, uh, 1997. We're playing Pro Player Stadium, uh, 78,000 people, 11th inning. Seventh game, you couldn't get any more dramatic. I couldn't even spit. My, I, you know, my heart was pounding. I'm, I'm coaching third base, and Craig Council standing beside me. And uh, 11th inning, our shortstop at Duranteria gets a base hit. The Marlins win the World Series, and it's pandemonium. They, and I mean, you do things that you don't even know you did. They tell me there was a bunch of policemen on the field on horses for the crowd control. Yeah. And they tell me that I was so excited, I kissed a horse. <laughs> I, I, I grabbed the horse around it, and I kissed him. I mean, you're, I'm running around like, like this is your lifelong dream. This, every every kid who's ever played baseball, yeah. the World Series, and here you are, and you win it. So I'm trying to find Tim and Mike, my, my, my sons, that's pandemonium. People jumping. There's a dog piles all over the field, and... You know, guys are jumping. I see Tim, and he's screaming, and he's screaming, and he's crying, and his face is, like, red as a beet. Hmm. I said, what are you crying about? What's wrong with you? He said, Dad, Dad, look. I said, look where? He said, Dad, look at the clock. I turned around, look at the stadium clock. It was about two minutes after midnight. He said, Dad, the chicken ran at midnight, <laughs> and, I, and I lost it. Oh my I God. fell to my knees. I said, oh, my God. Craig Council, the chicken, mm. scored at midnight. The chicken ran at midnight. Oh, my gosh. And I uh, I still get teared up when I talk about it because it's an out-of-body experience. Something that she said that she knew meant the world to me later happened. And uh, uh, I just, after the game was over, I kept the note that she gave me five years ago. It said the checker runs at midnight. Good luck, Dad. You know, good luck. Love, Amy, and I carry that with me. And after the in the four o'clock in the morning, I'm driving home from Miami. We just won the World Series. I mean, you're you're completely drained, out of body experience. I wanted to call her and said, Amy, Amy, the chicken did run at midnight. It did. So that's how that's how the story came to pass. And then, of course, we added a couple chapters in our book. Because uh, January 7th of last year, 
Mike, who I talked about, my son, he was assisting a girl and her boyfriend pushing a car across the road in Dallas. And a car came up behind them, and uh, somehow Mike grabbed the girl, threw her out of the way. He jumped in front of her, and he got hit at 65 miles an hour and was killed instantly. Oh, my goodness. And, and he saved the girl's life. Her name was Lindsay Longoria. And three weeks ago, Lindsay called me. She had a baby boy, and his name is Michael. Michael Donnelly Longoria. Hmm. And uh, she says, she said, your son was a hero to me. He saved my life. He didn't even know me. He saved my life. And my son will always know why he was named Michael Donnelly Longoria. And, and some more stuff. Last year, my two daughters, Tiffany and Leanne, I remarried. Married my wife, Roberta. And she had four kids. She had John and Adam, Tiffany and Leanne. So now we had eight kids. So Tiffany and Leanne, they were out at the Las Vegas shooting uh, when they had the concert at, uh, last year, about a year ago. And all of a sudden, two ladies in, in front of them were shot, in the, one shot in the face, one shot in the hip. And my two daughters laid on top of them for 15 minutes of shooting, which is a long, long time. Sure is. And, and saved their life. They put a tourniquet around the girl's neck and hip and they saved two ladies' lives who was total strangers and uh, and uh, put their life in harm's way to save those other two girls. So we've had a lot happen uh, with my kids and my life, and we try to jam it all into a book and have some funny stuff. Everybody who's read the book, the reviews have been great. It's the number one book in the country, and in baseball coaching, it's been number one or number two, like for three months. And everybody, I've got calls from all over the world. People who have sought that read the book, they said, "Rich, it's the most fantastic book I've ever read in my life." Um, and and one of the greatest compliments, my pastor, Monsignor Calamini, Jerry Calamini, I gave him the book, and he said, "Rich, it's the second best book I've ever read in my life." <laughs> <laughs> Rich, it's fabulous. I, I, I got to interrupt. It, it's a fabulous book. I mean, I, I read it, and and I, you know, as a kid growing up, probably like you, I mean, I, I used to read all, all the baseball books I could find, and you know, especially early on, as it charts your career, you know, your your early life, and then your baseball career. It reads like one of those old fashioned books, and you know, I found myself rooting for you, even though I knew the end of the story. <laughs> so you, you just tell a you just tell a story really, really well, and and to be honest. One of the great things I took from the book was, as a kid, especially as a simple child of faith, you know, you were so faithful always, you know, in your prayer life and, you know, showing up at church often. And then when you stepped away, like a lot of guys do, I'll raise my hand with that as well. Still, God's with you. And then you see it later on, years later, with Amy and with Bubba and, you know, what happened in Las Vegas, that the faithfulness of God is all there. And I know that you still recognize that. You, you know what, John? I always knew, and I tell people this, and I'm I'm not ashamed to say this. I always knew when when I was doing the wrong thing, and I always knew when I was doing the right thing. But sometimes when you do the wrong thing, your mind gets so twisted. You think, I don't care. I'm still going to do it anyway because I'm so selfish. Yeah. And I do. It. It wasn't like I didn't know the difference. I did know the difference. I was. I was raised. I was raised an A-plus Catholic. I used to walk by a church and think if I didn't go in, that was a sin. Mm -hmm. 
go in and go in and make a visit, go in and talk to the Lord. And I've had a lot of talks with him. I still talk to him every day. And now that I'm a little older, uh, people ask me all the time, where, where do you get your strength from? I said, well, I'll tell you what, I get it from God, but I get it from thanking him. I get it from thanking him for all the wonderful things he's let me have in my life. I thank him for all the wonderful people, my family, my kids. I thank him for having my kids as heroes. And, th- and that's what I do now when I go to church. Of course, you ask for stuff all the time. Every, we all do. Sure. We ask, and, and you know what? He's answered my prayers over and over and over. And I keep saying to myself, are you sure you want to answer my prayer? Look look what I look how I was. Look yeah, how right. awful I was. And you still going to answer me? And that's what gives me strength. I said, if, if he can do that to me, I could at least try to do that to all the people I meet. I'm into that. Well, I take it from that, Rich. It really, it's an excellent work. Uh, baseball and God, it's right in my center point. So it's a home run for me, no pun intended. The chicken runs at midnight. A daughter's message from heaven that changed the father's heart and won a World Series. Rich Donnelly, thanks an awful lot. Really, it's a great pleasure. Okay, John, thank you for having me on. Yelling something to the runner with his hands around his face. And his team won the game that night and on the way home in the car. She said, Dad, what did you say to him when you were yelling from afar? The chicken runs at midnight. Is that what you told him, Dad? He said, Honey, Silly, what made you think of that? The chicken runs at midnight, imagination of a girl. You probably should have been forgotten, but instead they're sacred words. Diabetes, high blood pressure, anxiety meds, everyone's on them. If you're a 50-year-old male, maybe a bit porky, and you may even have type 2 diabetes, a million dollars of term insurance may only cost you about 200 bucks a month. Call Term Provider. Speak with Big Lou at 800-444-2013. Big Lou will find a term life policy for you even if you have type 2 diabetes or overweight or have high blood pressure. Term Provider has helped thousands of people like you who think they can't afford term life insurance. To buy a million dollars of affordable term life for you, all you need to do is call Big Lou at 800-444-2013. Lou will make sure the scales are tipped in your favor. Call 800-444-2013. Big Lou will answer your call and work to fit you into a term life policy that you can afford. Remember, Big Lou's like you. He's on meds, too. Call 800-444-2013. 800-444-2013. Friend, this is Pastor Dan O'Neill from Eagles Wings Church in Squirrel Hill. Did you ever think about how much the Good Samaritan resembles our Lord Jesus? The victim is headed for Jericho, minus 846 feet below sea level and very hot. Mankind is headed for hell. The victim was stripped naked, and we were stripped naked in the Garden of Eden. 
The Good Samaritan binds up wounds. This was done with linen strips, and Jesus put on those same type of strips as our grave clothes. The Good Samaritan poured in the oil and the wine. Jesus shed his blood and baptized us with the Holy Spirit. The Good Samaritan places the victim on a beast, and Jesus will return with his saints on a white horse. The Good Samaritan paid the innkeeper a price equivalent to the redemption of an Israelite male, and Jesus paid our redemption. Come join us, Eagles Wings Church, Sundays at 9 a.m. at 2409 Shady Avenue in the auditorium of Taylor Alderdice High School in Squirrel Hill. Come worship and learn all that Jesus has done for us. Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville has everything you need to protect your car or truck all winter long. Say goodbye to winter grind with an extreme detailing to help preserve the life and look of your vehicle. Got a new car? Protect your investment with TST Rust Remedy, the most effective rust control system you'll find anywhere. And spray-on bullet bed liners offer extreme protection tested in the most extreme conditions known to man. Call the Extreme Team now at 412-257-1006 or visit ExtremeTruck.net. 412-257-1006, ExtremeTruck.net. Today, you have more choices than ever when it comes to where you purchase products. But you also have an opportunity to support companies that align with your values. The Original Mattress Factory hand-builds high-quality mattresses right here in your hometown. We believe in doing right by our customers by offering the best mattresses at factory direct prices every day. So when you shop for a mattress, we hope you'll make the choice to buy with your values. Visit the Original Mattress Factory to see the OMF difference for yourself. Cloudy skies tonight, getting a little cooler with a low of 36, then cloudy with rain at times tomorrow and tomorrow night. High tomorrow, 55. Low tomorrow night, 47. More rain at times on Thursday, unseasonably mild, with a record-challenging high temperature of 61 degrees, then much colder by the time the weekend rolls around. I'm AccuWeather's Jack Hubbard on 101.5 Word FM. Hey, welcome back. Pastor Josh Brown is with us today. Josh is a regular guest on our show. Josh is the pastor at Belfield Evangelical Church in the Oakland neighborhood. Josh, welcome, sir. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you doing today? Good, real good. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, my pleasure. Josh, isn't it odd when you step back and think about how easily, not just we lie to each other, but how easily we lie to ourselves? Uh, it's odd. It's sad. It is sad. More, more than anything, if we can get to a point of, of recognizing it, yeah. And it's so it, it's like unbelievably destructive, and oh so easy to do. It really is, and it usually it's often the death by a thousand cuts kind of destructive. Right. Um, sometimes it blows up in our face in, in some really big ways, but more often than not, I think it's a place you get yourself to over time without even quite realizing it, and then when when you do see where you are, it's. It can be pretty hard to, to write that ship. Yeah, so great minds have written about this, thought about this. Dostoevsky has written about this. Tell, tell us this quote, Josh. Yeah, this, there's a quote from uh, The Brothers Karamazov. It's one of my favorite novels, and it came to mind recently because I'm also doing a, we're doing a study out here through the letter of First John, and there's a, there's a number of places in that letter, but particularly at the end of the first chapter and going into the second where John is really dealing with these ideas of self-deception. And uh, the reason that, I, that this particular quote came to mind, and I looked at that, is uh, that I think he hits on something pretty insightful in that, Dostoevsky does, in, in the book there. He has, um, I, I'm sure that some of your listeners have read that book, you guys maybe have read that, familiar with it. There's a, a great character in there called Father Zosima, and he's this saintly old monk in the town, and 
Uh, he's teaching people at one point and talking and imparting some of his wisdom. And the quote is this. He, he says, Above all, don't lie to yourself. The man who lies to himself and listens to his own lie comes to such a pass that he cannot distinguish the truth within him or around him, and so loses all respect for himself and for others. And having no respect, he ceases to love. And what I think Dostoevsky does there very insightfully is links this capacity for self-deception with our ability to genuinely love. Uh, I think what he's saying there is that the greater the one of them is, the lesser the other can Mm. be. If we are if we are going to be deceiving ourselves about who we are or who God is or what our relationship is with him or how we're supposed to interact with our neighbors, to, to the greater extent that we do that, the less we are able to love God and mm. love our neighbor the way we're supposed to, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Our lives get in the way mm-hmm. of our love. Several decades that's, ago. That's a great way to put it, John. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. You know that book by... Um, M. Scott Peck. It's called People of the Lie. It came out decades ago. I read it, you know, much after the date that it was originally published. But that book was, I don't know, that was really instrumental in me thinking through the import, like what the importance of honesty is for uh, maturation in a person. And he basically talked about the same idea that, that every time we lie, whether either I'm lying to you or I'm lying to myself, you're putting a distance between yourself and what's true. And the bigger that distance between yourself and what's true, the more you enter into places of depression or anxiety or mental illness or relationship breakdown or whatever. And so if we're looking to be healthy people, we have to be people who are looking for truth, wherever that is. So we need to be looking in that direction. And you know, it, the way it was set up, and of course at that time, he had written that other influential book, um, which I can't think of. The Road Less Traveled. The Road Less Traveled. Yeah. Um, and so that was a time, I think, that when people started thinking about, like, how does psychology interact with, like, everyday life? And that was a really practical way. And, of course, he, I believe, himself was coming to faith at the same time as he was writing the book about people of, called People of the Lie. Anyway, it was illustrative to me that if I really wanted – to grow as a person, I was going to have to choose. I was going to have to call it like it is and be honest with myself and God or just not. Yeah. Yeah, and those are those are themes that um, I, obviously Peck and Dostoevsky and others have written about them, and, and those are some of the same themes that I, I mentioned I find, you find in, in something like the letter of First John. And um, there's some really insight, uh, there's some really, really direct ways that John speaks about it. I mean, he doesn't sugarcoat much of it. Uh, there's one point, um, this is, as I said, kind of the last part of chapter 1 and beginning in chapter 2. He says, um, if we say that we have fellowship with God while we walk in darkness, we lie. We don't practice the truth. Um, just a few verses later, he, say, he says, that if we say that we have not sinned, we make God to be a liar. His word is not in us. Um, just a couple verses after that. He says, whoever says, I know God, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Um, just a little later on, he uh, continues to, uh, says again, whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in the darkness. I mean, he, it's not it's not subtle what he's getting at. Um, it's very direct. It kind of stings, especially if you are willing to acknowledge that that is what's going on in our hearts too often. So why, why do we? I mean, to lift ourselves up? to make ourselves feel better? Well, it's hard to face what's real, what's true, I think. Yeah, it is. Uh, on, on kind of, yeah, it's hard to, to see that because we, we're going to find things that we're not comfortable with. We're going to find things that aren't the way that we 
want them to be. We're going to find things that we wish other people didn't see about us or didn't recognize about us. And I think that stuff's just true about the human heart in general. And then, and then when you add that to some of just the um, marketing kind of industry that exists in modern society where you're being told, no, you are supposed to be this kind of paragon of beauty and skill and intelligence and, and whatever else, uh, you feel like you've got to, you have to present that. That's the way that you need to be presented in order to be acceptable or um, lovable. And it just, it just gets into a nasty, vicious cycle. Yeah. I mean, it, it's ancient, right? I mean, uh, oh, yeah. the great philosophers have talked about the truth. I mean, Jesus says the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, I mean, uh, it's uh, in a world that is so complicit in untruths, what it would be so, what a wonderful world it would be if we told the truth, if all of us told the truth. I mean, we're all, you know, in the hashtag fake news era right now. So, you know, corporations are But we're also in engaged. the hashtag Me Too movement, which is all about bringing the truth out, right? Like saying what really happened. So part, yeah. of, us, so part of us wants that. Yeah, that, that's true. And, and I, would, I would say that uh, before you even get to those kinds of, of movements and those kinds of things, which are, are kind of... They're, they're sort of operating at the level of um, truth in between others or truth in communication or truth in our actions and interactions with others, which, which is uh, absolutely important. Even before you get to that, some of the stuff that John's talking about and um, Dostoevsky and Peck and others are, are really, you know, truth with yourself and truth with yourself before the Lord, first right. of all. Mm. Um, so that that even, those other ones are incredibly important, and those are significant things that are happening and conversations that are, are also equally difficult to have but necessary to have. Um, but before we even get to that part, things like what John especially is saying there is you, you, need to, you need to be able to acknowledge who you really are before the Lord, that the Lord, who is the holy and righteous creator, is the one for whom we stand, and, and we are not. And I think to, to me, right, Joshua, I mean— if you believe in Christ and final judgment that we will stand before the Lord someday, I mean, it's undeniable that the truth will be before us. But we spend our lives like a dog chasing his tail and choose not to engage in the truth. But sooner or later, all things will come out. Yeah, they will. They will. And what, um, in the meantime, though, I, I think you know, before that, before that day itself happens, the reason that it can be so hard for us is that we, we have bought into um, some just lies even that we've told ourselves or that we've been uh, conditioned to believe about certain things. So in particular, the, that's First John 1, 10, where he says, if we say that we have not sinned, mm-hmm. now that's one of the areas where we're just not, we're just not honest with ourselves right. about the fact that we need a Savior. Uh, we deceive ourselves, John says about that. And that happens for a few reasons. One uh, reason, um, you know, we just don't think that sin is, is a thing at all. It just doesn't exist. I mean, that it operates. To, do, to say that it does says that there are things that are right and are wrong, more than just your preferences, but things that are even objectively that way. And we don't, we don't even, most of us just don't even believe that that kind of a framework exists for the world. So that becomes a difficult thing. Or... If we will even get to the point of accepting that, we think, well, it doesn't, it doesn't exist in me. It's not a problem that I have. And if we can even get to the point of admitting that, no, it is something that affects each and every one of us, uh, then we may believe the lie that, it's, well, it's not really a big deal. Uh, so all those things really compounded together get us to the point of saying, well, yeah, okay, I'm going to stand before the Lord someday, but 
what's the problem? <laughs> we'll be right back. Jen had a very busy day today. Really busy. First, she dropped her kids off at daycare. Then she had a few minutes before yoga class for a coffee. Small latte, please. And then she saved a few lives. Nurse, two units, donated. One, an injured child. Another, a cardiac patient. And then, a premature baby. All because Jen logged on to bloodsciencefoundation.org and made a financial donation. There, done. You see, local blood donors provide only about half of what is needed to treat patients. The other half has to be purchased and relies on financial donations from people like you and Jen. Ooh, cake pops. So, what have you done today? To make a financial donation that saves lives, visit bloodsciencefoundation.org. Blood Science Foundation. Giving from the heart. This is going to be the year. This is the year you are finally going to get more sleep, real sleep, deep sleep, the kind where you wake up feeling fully rested, refreshed, and ready to take on the day. Well, put your head on my pillow. This is John Hall. There's no better time than now to make my pillow your pillow. Stop tossing and turning and get the support you need in your quest for a better night's sleep. Right now, Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow, is offering word listeners his amazing four pack special order today you'll receive two premium my pillows along with two go anywhere pillows plus shipping is absolutely free just enter the promo code word at mypillow.com try it and if you don't absolutely love it return it within 60 days for a full refund if you've resolved to get a better night's sleep now's the perfect time to do it use promo code word at mypillow.com and make my pillow yours today that's mypillow.com promo code word This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy & Hagerman. Upon your passing, you wouldn't want a judge to decide who raises your children or how your estate gets divided. It is important to review your estate planning documents to ensure they protect what matters most. At Abernathy & Hagerman, we will work with you to establish an estate plan that nominates a guardian for your minor children and that your assets are used for your family's benefit. Judge for yourself. For legal help that lasts a lifetime, visit a-h.law. Forevermark Diamond Tribute Collection. For your courage, passion, determination, for your tenderness, spirit, and the way you love. For all that you are, the Forevermark Tribute Collection. A diamond for each of your qualities. Forevermark. Beautiful, rare, responsibly sourced. Explore the Forevermark Tribute Collection at Trinity Jewelers Mount Nebo Road. Visit trinityjewelers.com. Joshua Brown is with us. He's the pastor of Belfield Presbyterian Church in the Oakland District of Pittsburgh. Okay, so this might sound like a tributary, but uh, it makes me think of the importance of confession. So before we were on the air today, John and I were talking about your nephew. Right. Right. Your nephew's about to do, what do they call it? Uh, it's called first reconciliation. So my, my brother, uh, raised Catholic, he's helping to, to raise my niece's uh, son. And so he's, you know, going to, I think he's eight years old. He's going to have his first confession in anticipation of first Holy Communion. So first reconciliation, of course, is him sitting down and confessing his sins. Now, when you were a right. kid, you thought that that was... 
like an enormous deal. You were Oh, it's a gigantic deal. I mean, I remember being a Catholic schoolboy and being in training for this and you know, having the nuns talk us through this process. And, you know, of course, you know, it, it was ridiculous in some way because, you know, we were in training. So they would say, OK, so as you walk into the confessional, this is the order of you know, the engagement. And there are a series of, you know, introductions and then prayers. And then you confess your sins before the priest. Now, the, the, the theological implications of that outside of Catholicism, notwithstanding, you do confess your sins. And I think, of course, that's vitally important. Well, it makes me wonder just in our conversation now, I mean, the verse you just read, right? Like, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth isn't in us. So one of the things I do think that Protestants are bad at is just being— the confession? Is, is the idea of co- confession. I, yeah. I, I don't think we get that as deeply as Catholics do. What do you say? Oh, I, I agree with you on that. Um, and there are a whole—you can point to a whole bunch of reasons why, why that is the case. Uh, I think that one of them is that it's— well, first of all, um, it's not something that's fun. I mean, I don't, I don't know too many people that enjoy doing that because it, it is bringing to light something that um, most people would prefer to have. Right, Even but Josh, it's just between you and the Lord privately. So, and I'll say this though, Josh, as a Catholic schoolboy, we did we confessed on a weekly basis. So, uh-huh. as I went through the week, when I was complicit or I was lying or whatever I was doing. I was acutely conscious of it, knowing that I would have to reconcile that at some point in the very near future. So it kept me accountable in some way. It does, yeah. And um, there, it's it's really complicated uh, kind of thing that I think has gotten, as Kathy pointed out, like sort of many many branches of modern Protestantism um, to a place where that's just not a functional part of of corporate worship, let alone even individual discipleship. It's it's really being a pretty complicated trajectory that's gotten it to that point, but one of it, uh, one factor is is that I mean, it's it's not a it's not a comfortable thing. There's you realize there's a degree of accountability. Uh, the theology behind it is that well, if I don't have to confess to a priest, then it's if this is just something between me and the Lord. Then it's not something that you need to know about anyway. Um, uh, so that that's a factor, and because of that, it just keeps getting pushed further and further to the background. Um, another one is is a way that the gospel itself has been uh, kind of packaged over the years. Um, I, there's a guy named David Wells who's written a lot about this, and he had an expression in one of his books where he said that a lot of the ways the gospel is presented uh, in modern American Christianity is that for this his expression uh, is something to this effect, where he says, for, for a one-time admission of imperfection, you are guaranteed an eternity of bliss. Hmm. And we think that that's, that's what it means. It's just, just once you have to say, oh, yeah, okay, I do need Jesus because I'm not perfect. And then it, it never comes up again. It's not something that you have to just, um, uh, you know, beat yourself up about every single day. But it should be a regular thing where you just acknowledge and even remind yourself. Um, you don't have to remind the Lord; He knows it. But remind yourself, wow, I really there. I, I do need somebody to deliver me. Right. Paul says that in Romans seven: "A wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death?" Yes. Uh, I mean, and that's powerful, Josh. I mean, you see that, you know, in recovery, right, where people in recovery communities, they have a sponsor, someone that you're accountable to, that you go to, and you do confess yourself in your I mean, short to keep you on the secure side. so gorgeous about that, that, yeah. that, that people put themselves at the mercy of a friend who they know is going to be their confessor. And their, I mean, we're just, those of us who haven't gone through that, we just, I think we've missed out on something really vital in faith. Right. 
but to bring me back to that confession. To, so to confess is to bring me back into a right relationship, which is the truth of Jesus Christ. That's right. Yeah, it gets you. It, it acknowledges that. I mean, it acknowledges I am somebody who needs a savior. Uh, I am somebody who is fully and entirely dependent upon God's grace for that. Uh, this is not something that I can do for myself. This is something that Christ has done for me, and I, I'm resting in that. I'm rejoicing in that. It's not. It's not uh, meant to leave you in a place of just despair. Um, yeah, despair exactly, or or just uh, to be a somber at the, at the whole thing. It ultimately ought to lead to a place of. Um, just a gratitude and even even ability to rejoice in the fact that God does provide that forgiveness. Yeah. Right. I mean, let me, let me go back again to my Catholic schoolboy thing, because, you know, this is sort of um, a big part of my, you know, um, growing up that, I, again, I had a nun who would describe, you know, and this is just, you know, infant theology, but she would say, you know, as you sin, think of your think of your house, right? Um, that as you sin, you sully your house, that your one sin does this. And so, the you know, the room is messed up or the cow is, you know, dirty or whatever. And so, you know, as you sin, it puts things back into, into right order again. And I remember as being, you confess. as you confess, right. No, as you sin, you know, you, you're messing things up. And then as you confess, there's right order. But I remember, you know, not being, you know, being so far away from the Lord. I was living, you know, in New York City and I was in my 20s and I was like, you know, just a, a guy kind of out of his mind. And I would reflect back upon what that nun had to say to me. And I used to think my house is is in a hole. It has been cratered. Mm. You know, I am so deep in sin that I have blown up my life. And, you know, and I think it's important that we think about ourselves like that, the wretchedness of our own sinfulness and how deeply that we need a Savior. So I do come back in right relationship sooner or later, sooner much so rather than later. Right. And and again, uh, the, the, the point is not to just to remain in that place of, as you said, despair or lamenting over the over the wretchedness. Uh, I think some people, when you start talking about confession, they they think that that's it. They say, "Well, why would I want to stay there? That's not a that's not a good place." But the the point is to get you to a place where you can really rejoice in the good news of the gospel in the way that we were meant to. Um, I mean, it's it's kind of an inverse relationship in a way where if sin is really if sin's not really a big deal, I mean, if it's not really a problem. If grace is just some kind of like spiritual Tylenol, then wh- why why is it worthy? Why do we get so excited about this? Why are we praising God and celebrating and rejoicing in what He's done for us? But if we see sin for the problem that it really is, uh, for how pervasive it really is, for how destructive it really is, for the fact that the wages of sin are death, and then we see that that is what that is what has been fully removed from me by Jesus Christ. Uh, then you see, oh, that that is a reason to uh, rejoice forever in what the Lord has done for me. That is a reason to live an, in an entirely new way that reflects the fact that I've been brought out of death and into life. So it's it's not to just dwell on how bad sin is and only stay there. But if we don't even, if we don't acknowledge that, as John says, if we don't see the truth of that, then you're never going to be able to see the truth of how good the good news of the gospel is. I'm into that. That's Josh Brown, pastor of Belfield Presbyterian Church in the Oakland District of Pittsburgh. Josh, tell us about Belfield and when you guys meet. We have uh, services on, on Sunday, 2 in the morning, one at 8.30, one at 11 o'clock, one in the evening at 5 o'clock on Sunday. We have a number of different ministries to in, within the university communities here at Pitt and CMU and Chatham. Um, but we are a multi-generational church. We've got families from all ages and, and people who come into here. 
and we really have a desire to just care for the Oakland community. We've got a kind of unique location, and so we see that as a wonderful opportunity to care for the medical community here, the university communities, and just be uh, able to bear witness to this good news of the gospel here in our corner of the city. Very nice. Josh, always a pleasure. Thanks so much. We enjoyed the conversation. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. Stay Thank you. Yeah, yeah, thank you. You as well. I mean, th- the first time I read that, that quote by Dostoevsky, that, that hit me like right between the eyes. Mm-hmm. I, I want to read it one more time. Above all, don't lie to yourself. The man who lies to himself and listens to his own lie comes to such a pass that he cannot distinguish the truth within him or around him and so loses all respect for himself and for others. And having no respect, he ceases to love. We'll take a break, come back. We've got a lot more ahead. I love you, a bushel and a peck, a bushel and a peck, and a hug around the neck. Hi, it's me, Marcia, from the Springhouse, to see what you're planning for the love of your life besides a hug around the neck. Well, we've got something fun planned for Valentine's Day. Let me tell you about it. We'll turn down the lights, light the candles, bring out the china, and serve you the yummiest, home-cooked, farm-fresh, four-course meal you ever tasted. Wedding soup, reunion salad, grilled marinated flank steak, Mediterranean stuffed chicken breasts, pearls, potatoes, and your choice of homemade Springhouse cheesecake or pie for dessert. Oh, and I can't forget, coffee and pink lemonade. Our talented piano player will be on board to serenade you, too. So call to reserve your spot or just come on out to the farm for a Valentine's Sweetheart Dinner at the Springhouse in 84 PA. Reserve your sweetheart dinner date for Valentine's Day, 5 to 8.30 p.m., Thursday, February 14th at 724-228-3339 or at springhousemarket.com. Did Valentine's Day sneak up on you? Head to a Walgreens only minutes away and get red-hot deals on candy, Hallmark cards, and everything you need to make Valentine's Day special fast. Walgreens. Trust it since 1901. Are religious people happier? Pew Research just completed a five-month study that talked to participants in 26 different countries. And not surprisingly, the results were that people who call themselves actively religious, which is a low bar, quite honestly, that they would attend worship service once a month, describe themselves, 36% of the people who were surveyed describe themselves as very happy. There's not a clear connection between religiosity and the likelihood that people will describe themselves as being in very good overall health. However, that 36%, you can't deny that. At the same time, the actively religious are generally less likely than the unaffiliated to smoke and drink. Now, people who attend religious services at least monthly often are more likely than the nuns, of course, people who don't believe in God or never attend any service, to join other types of non-religious organizations, such as charities and clubs. This is true in 16 out of the 26 countries that were surveyed, and the actively religious generally are more likely than others to vote. Amen to that. 
I'd say that's true, right? Would you not say you look around your congregation on a Sunday morning? Of course, I mean, people are people. Everybody comes at their faith from different perspectives, and we all go through the peaks and valleys of what it is to be alive. But yeah, there's something to be said about your faith and confidence in Christ as your Lord and Savior that, of course, is going to make you happy because you have not a local perspective. You have the eternal perspective of Christ in your life. Hey, uh, the podcast, our show, is up and running about an hour or so after we leave the air, so we would invite you to check that out. Also, look for us uh, our website, johnandkathyshow.com, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, our Twitter feeds. You know all those things. We're out there, so just stop by and say hi if you're so inclined, and give us suggestions for where you would like to see us, Okay. Have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow. Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Word FM and Salem Communications. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.